I'm going to be in Isaiah chapter 41. There's just a few verses starting in verse 10. I'm going to read down to verse 16. And just so you know, before I get to reading this, the context here, if you know Isaiah at all, Isaiah has given a prophecy, or he's given this prophecy to Israel from God. And there's a, there's a whole lot of bad news on the horizon for Israel. But it seems as if, and, and we know because we have the, the, the value of the New Testament in our laps, we know what's going to come. There's a Messiah who would come who would give his life for the whole world, that would give his life as a sacrifice for our sins. He would be that suffering servant that Isaiah references in a few places. He would be the one that would take away the sins of the world. He would be the one that would take all of that, 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 that difficulty, all of that uh, even damnation that was due to Israel. He would take all of that. But at this moment, it seems like there's a little bit of a break in the clouds, if you will, as this prophecy has got a lot of doom and gloom to it. There's a little bit of a break in the clouds, and he gives, God gives Israel, and I believe that we can learn from it. I, don't, I know it was ultimately for Israel, but I think we can learn from it. It's helpful to us. He gives a break in the clouds to say, Israel, I want to comfort you just a little bit. I just want you to know, I know it's going to get hard, I know it's going to get worse before it gets better, but I'm your God and I'm going to help you. And I just want to focus your attention just a few minutes in Isaiah chapter 41. I'll begin in verse 10, read down to verse 16. I'm going to ask if you're able to, to stand with me just for the second, few, few moments as we read these few verses together because we believe that this, these words that I'm about to read come from God himself. And here's what the scripture says. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them and shalt not find them. Even them that contended with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I... The Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt Fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord, and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. Would you pray with me and thank the Lord for his word? Lord, I want to say thank you. Thank you for the comfort that we can get from your scripture. Thank you for the, the promises that we can hold to be true, that we can take these things to the bank, that they are rock solid. We can count on them even when we can count on nothing else. Lord, I pray that if there are some folks that are here tonight, some Christians who love you and have served you maybe just a few months or a few years or for their entire lifetime, no matter what, but they need some help tonight, God, would you, through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, just speak to them and let them know you're holding their hand. We're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can be seated. Um, I don't know if y'all ever been to, uh, to Durham. I'm sure a few of you have. If you've ever been to Durham, right there in the kind of a, a 
little downtown area about Ninth Street there in Durham. It's uh, last few years they've kind of made it pretty pedestrian friendly, uh, not very far from the Duke University there. And uh, there was a place where I would go. Uh, it was a it was one time a Kinko's, and then it became a uh, what is FedEx office is that what they call them now? Uh, same thing, but make copies and stuff like that. And I had went in there with my son Jude. He's 12 now. At the time he was. Oh goodness, he probably was maybe uh, seven, eight years old, little, a little, little boy at that time. And uh, I'd gone to the to the the FedEx office place to make some copies to do something. And there's a a Peruvian chicken joint just across the street that I really like to go to. And I said, Jude, let's go over there and get some get some of their rotisserie chicken. And as we're crossing the street there, like I said, it's a pedestrian friendly place. So if you've ever been like one of those downtown places, they'd have a a nice very kind of raised crosswalk, so even cars go over it, they have to bump up a little bit and all that. But one of the things that happened immediately as I was crossing that street, and it's kind of stuck in my mind, which is why I'm telling you this story now, because it's stuck in my mind. I remember instinctively, that nobody told me to do it, it, it didn't, it just, it just, it was automatic. I immediately stuck my hand down and grabbed my son's hand. I said, Jude, hold on to my hand. Now, I want you to understand, when I was crossing this street, there was no cars coming. Uh, this was, even if they were coming, they were going to slow down for us. It was, it was that kind of a place. It wasn't some big, dangerous five-lane, ten-lane across highway. This was a little road where I could just walk across pretty safely, but I reached down and held my son's hand because, well, for one, I'm his dad. That's what fathers do, good parents do to their children. They try to protect them. Even when there's not even protecting to be done, they try to protect him. That's what they do. I'm his dad. I'm supposed to be the trustworthy one, the big, strong one, the one that he can count on. I want my son, no matter what the circumstances are, to be successful. So I was there with him. I didn't just say, hey, Jude, you run across the street. I'll meet you when I get there. No, I wanted to be with him all the way through that. And I love him. I'd die if something happened to him, especially if it was my fault or it was something I could have prevented. I would die because of that. And if I didn't die, my wife would kill me. So I was going, if something bad was going to happen, I had to do something here. But, but, but all the, and I don't know if I'm adequately describing for you, but there's a lot of power and emotion in that small little instance of me just putting my hand down to hold a little boy's hand, a little boy that I cared a whole lot about. But in that same, that, 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 all that power and all that emotion, that's exactly what I believe that God's communicating to Israel here in this passage. Everything that's tied up in that. Maybe as you're sitting here listening to this, I've tried to, 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 to head your mind down this path, but maybe you're worried about something that's going to happen. Maybe you already know something bad's going to happen. You've got it in your mind. It's already been told. Or maybe you don't know. Maybe you're worried about it. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Maybe you're just not sure how it's going to turn out. Maybe you have a decision in front of you and you don't know how to deal with that. I, wanna, I want to, to let you know, based on this passage tonight, that even though you might be worried, even though you don't know how it's going to turn out, he tells us three times in this passage, fear not. Fear thou not. Don't be afraid. God is in control, and he's your God. It reminds me of that song. Um, I won't sing it, don't worry. But uh, it reminds me of that song. I'll read a few lyrics. Many things about tomorrow. I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. That's the song that it brings to my mind. Every time I think about this passage, 
it, it sounds better in my head than I just made it sound, but it's a beautiful song. It just reminds me, I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. And, and there's a lot to fear. I, I was just mentioned, alluded to the, 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 the um, conflict that's going on over in the Middle East with Israel and, and those people who are coming after Israel and, and all of that that's going on there. That, that's a small piece of it. There's so many things to be worried about. And, and that, that's on a big global scale. I mean, I've got things in my own little life to worry about, and I know y'all do too. But we have God's word three times at least in these few verses. We don't need to fear. He's got this. In verse 10, I want you to draw your attention there for just a moment. He says, fear thou now, not, for I am with thee. I am with thee. I want you to see, first of all, that we don't need to fear because I want to use his, the, I'm going to mispronounce it a little bit, but his Jewish covenant name, God's name, his name is Yahweh. He is Yahweh and he is our God. We do not need to fear because Yahweh is our God. It is Yahweh, the Lord. In fact, in, if you're having a King James Bible, just like I'm, I'm reading out of here, if you'll look through the, he starts in verse 4, I believe it is, and it continues on. But if you look in verse 4, the first reference there where he says, I, the Lord, you look at that word Lord, it's all lower, or excuse me, uppercase L-O-R-D, which is referencing a very specific name. He's not just saying I'm a Lord like I'm in charge, I'm an important person, but he is specifically using the name Yahweh, which is to say, yes, he is the self-existent one. He answers to no one. That's alluded to there, but this is also his covenant name with Israel. This was the name that he would have told Israel, this is who I am, and I am your God. I am yours. I am, you are my people, and I am your God. He is their people. It is a covenant that he has given to them. Understand this. God, the almighty God of the universe, he is, as the Revelation calls him, the first and the last, the Alpha and Omega. Essentially getting that idea that there's nothing before him and there's nothing after him. He answers to no one. Nobody, he asks nobody's permission to do anything. And that God is your God. He knows you. He loves you. He is your God. And it says in verse 10, because I am with you, because I, Yahweh, am with you, he says, be not dismayed. That word dismayed is an interesting word. I, I don't use it in everyday language, but it's, uh, the, the, the sense of the word dismayed is this idea of looking around frantically. I do this all the time when I'm trying to leave the house. I can't find my keys, and I'm looking everywhere, and I'm going to be late if I don't get my keys, and I'm looking behind every nook and cranny in every little corner of the house. Where are my keys? And Vanessa says, they're right there where you left them. And I find them then, but it's that looking around, that frantic, that panic. Where's the answer for my problem? That's the idea behind the dismay. He says, you don't need to look around in frantic uh, panic. In fact, that's the kind of frantic panic. That's what got Lot in trouble. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 13, and you will notice that Lot, when he came back from Egypt with his uncle Abraham, he comes back from Egypt, and he's looking around, and he's like, I, I don't see anything I like here. And one thing finally catches his eye, and it's the city of Sodom, which reminds him of Egypt, where he just had been. And what's going to happen when you're dismayed, looking around, trying to frantically solve your problems, what you're going to do, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're going, you're going to find an answer. 
and it's going to be a bad answer. <laughs> it's going to lead you down the wrong path. It's going to mess you up. But when you understand that your God, the Yahweh God, the one who knows you, the one who's all-powerful, but he knows you, and he is your God, and he is with you, this God who has all power, he says there in the last part of verse 10, he says, I'm going to help you. He says, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He says, I'm always going to do the right thing. I am righteous, and I will make sure that what needs to be done will be done. I have all power, and I will strengthen you. So you don't have to look around at everything in the world for your answer. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's my instinct. I'm in a troubled spot. I look at everything. I'm going to call everybody I know. I'm going to read every book I can. I'm going to scour the Internet for the answer. I'm going to look in all of the wrong places. But you need to be reminded that your God is Yahweh. He is your God. He loves you and he is all powerful. He will strengthen you. He will do the right thing. You don't need to look around. You simply need to look to him. And this God, Yahweh God, your God, he's going to win no matter what. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, all they that were incensed against thee, those people that were mad at you, that were against you, who were fighting with you. Those people, he says, they shall be ashamed and confounded. It says, they shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. He says that anybody who comes against his people, those people will find themselves ashamed. They will find themselves confounded. They will ultimately find themselves destroyed. That means the abusers, the naysayers, the detractors, the gossipers. I'm not just talking about people you don't like or that say bad things about you. I know sometimes we can get out of line and it's good whenever somebody will help us get back in line. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who are actually fueled by the devil himself to come and to tell us lies or to tell lies about us or to do sin, or to do evil things against us. And some of you, I don't know your stories, but I can about guarantee you, even in a group this size, there's at least two or three of y'all here that have, been, have suffered real damage from somebody who was acting in a sinful way and was operating under the power of the devil. I can guarantee you that. Those people, I want you to know, based on what the scripture says, they don't win. It may look like they win, and often the gossipers and the detractors and the abusers, they think they've got an edge. They think they're on top of things. They think they've got the, the world by the tail, as it were. But you need to understand that your God, the one that is your God, not some distant deity out there that nobody knows, but the God that is your God, he actually is powerful enough that he says, those people, they're going to be ashamed and confounded. That's why, he can, why we can say, I don't have to worry about getting revenge on anyone because vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He is the one that does that. So there's nothing that my God can't handle. There's no worry he can't calm. There's no problem that he can't solve. Viruses, presidents, Congress, governors, China, terrorists, angry mobs, and whatever else you need to fill in the blank that keeps you up at night and makes you worry, those things, they don't win. You don't even win. I don't win. You know who wins? Every day, and as they say, twice on Sunday. You know who wins? It is my God. 
It is your God. He is guaranteed to win. He is the one who defeats all the enemies. So we don't need to fear because Yahweh is our God. But second of all, look in verse 13. We can see the next reason there. He says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help you. Help thee. Excuse me. He says there, Don't fear, because Yahweh is holding your hand. Now, we understand that our God is all-powerful. He is in control of everything. He is, uh, to use the big word, he is sovereign over everything. He is. But don't miss that that powerful God, he is your God. But as Matthew writes in Matthew 1, verse 23, he is Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with that God who is over all, who is going to win in the end, who is in control of everything, who no one can assail or assault in any way, this God is with us. And I mean that in every sense, and I believe that's the way the, ver the word is meant. It's with us in every sense of that word. He is close to us. He is on our side. He loves us and he cares for us. Now, don't get that too twisted because sometimes we think he's on our side. He's good with everything we do. No, we know our God better than that. Our God is good. He is he's on, on board with the truth. And sometimes he needs to correct us. As we said, I think somewhere on Sunday, I remember somebody saying, I think it was in the Sunday, or the, the Sunday evening uh, time, that judgment begins at the house of God. And it does. We understand that, but I want you to understand that this God is with you. He is for you. He is for you, and he is working on your behalf. He cares for us in a very real way. The stuff that you're going through, I, I sometimes I, I think, sit and think, and I say, you know, I just don't think anybody cares. That's the way I feel. And you say, well, Matthew, you're wrong, and, and I am. I know that. I'm just telling you how I feel. I just feel like nobody cares sometimes. But this text reminds me that my God does actually care. He is close to my need. He is close at hand. He is physically close and present in my circumstances. And he manifests that in the most gentle and loving way, the way that a mother or a father might to a little child or a grandmother or an aunt or uncle might put their hand down to hold a little child's hand to comfort them if they're crying, to help them in their time of need. That's what, that's what good, good adults do to children, is they put their hand down and just hold them. And that's exactly what God does for that little child. He says, I'm going to gently hold your hand. He is always with us. And when he's holding our hand, just like when I held my son's hand across that, that, that road, I was doing it to give him guidance. I wanted him to know where to go. Again, he's a child. He didn't know where to go. I could have said, go over there. But I know how that's interpreted to a child. I mean, that could have been anywhere. He could have went anywhere. But I'm going to hold his hand and guide him where I want him to go. That's what God does for us. He holds our hand and he guides us. If we'll just quit pulling again, <laughs> take that analogy maybe a little bit too far, but that's one of the things my children would do, is if they decide they want to go somewhere else, they'll start yanking on me the other way. And no, I know where I need you to go, son. Go with me. I do the same thing to God, don't you? God's holding my hand, <laughs> but I'm trying to go over yonder. And he said, no, I'm going to guide you where I want you to go. He, when I do that to my son, I'm also there to protect my son. As I told you, I want him not to get hit by the cars. I didn't want him to run out in front of the road. I didn't want any of that sort of thing to happen to him. But the image that comes in my mind is, and I never had to deal with this, uh, mainly because I was always in a very small classroom, and 
Um, I think I was just ugly enough. Nobody wanted to mess with me. I wasn't all that mean. I was a real sweet fellow, but I wasn't really all that, that good looking. Uh, but I've gotten better, as you can tell. Uh, anyway, uh, y'all, y'all I'm, just, I'm just messing. Y'all don't understand. This is real, but what I just said was messing. Understand that. Anyway, uh, but when I was growing up, I didn't really have to deal with bullies and things like that. But some people have to deal with that. And, and uh, the image in my mind, maybe from movies and things like that, is that little kid that's getting picked on by that ugly, mean bully. But he's got his big brother there, the big strapping brother. And whenever he's around, nobody's messing with the little boy. That's kind of what God does for us. He's a little bit of protection for us, a little bit. He's a whole lot of protection for us. That when he's with us, uh, the devil's going to try to do a few things. And sometimes the Lord, in his wisdom, he will allow some things to occur into our lives. I understand that. But ultimately, the devil can't do a bit more to us than the Lord allows him to do. He won't do a bit more to us than that. And that's exactly what we can expect because he's going to hold our hand. He's going to hold our hand throughout that whole thing. Now, what this ought to do is it ought to inspire us to have confidence to keep trusting God and to keep obeying God. Because you've probably heard this, this phrase before that if he called you, he will equip you. If he has asked you to something, he's going to give you the means to do that thing. He doesn't ask you to do the impossible if he's not planning to enable you to do the impossible. Now, he does it in his way. He doesn't always do it the way I see him to do it, but he will do that. That's what he does. And this is with knowing that my God is holding my right hand, knowing that he's there with me, knowing he's protecting me, that he's guiding me, and it's all done out of love. That ought to inspire me to say, you know what, Lord? I don't know what you're doing, but I'm just going to trust you to do it. Now, I want to make sure I'm real clear with y'all so I don't come off as a liar. I don't do what I just said most of the time. I need to do what I just said every time. You do too, but that's where the problem is. We need to be reminded that our God's got our hand, and I can trust him no matter what. And I can continue to obey him because if he wants me to do a thing, whatever that thing is, that might be, uh, in my case, it is to a call to be a pastor. In, a, in other people's case, it might be a call to, to stay into a marriage. It might be to go and share the gospel with a friend. It might be a, a situation to, to be faithful to God and throughout a sickness or an illness. Or and there's any number, I, I can't possibly imagine all the things that y'all have been called to do. But every one of those things, God has called you to do it. You know what he's going to do? He's going to give you the strength to go through that. He's going to give you the ability to do exactly what he's called you to do. His, your battles may well be large. And I, I don't want to, one of the things I'm careful not to do when I speak about things like this is to try to diminish what you're going through. Because I can tell you, some of y'all are probably dealing with stuff if most of us knew about it, we probably wouldn't even come here tonight because we'd be so overwhelmed by your problem if we knew about it felt like. So I want to know, I want you to know I understand that some of your some of your challenges, some of your prob problems, some of your battles are really large, overwhelming. But your God, he's bigger. He's bigger than those things are. And, he, and not only is he bigger, this is the thing I'm trying to get, drive home to you, is not only is our God bigger, but he's right by your side in the middle of it. Yeah, there's a big overwhelming, just a big black cloud of a situation that you're dealing with, but know that your God is bigger than that black cloud ever thought about being, and he's never left your side. He's right there. So you can trust him through that dark valley. You can trust him through death and despair. You can trust him in times of uncertainty. You can trust him in those moments when you're confused. You can trust him when you're feeling very real physical pain.
pain and you are suffering very real physical suffering, you can trust your God in those things because he's holding your hand through every bit of that. He's not stopped. He won't leave. He won't stop. He says there, fear not. Fear not. He says, I will hold thy right hand. He says also in verse 14, he says, fear not, thou worm Jacob and ye men of Israel. Now he says, I, I want you not to fear, as he said right before that, I, I'm going to help, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob and ye men of Israel. He says there, don't fear, because your God, Yahweh, will help you. One thing that does help me is to get a little bit, proper, little bit of proper perspective on things. Sometimes I can, as my daddy used to say, I can get a little big for my britches. I can kind of get to thinking I'm a little better than I am, a little more put together than I am, a little more of a big deal than I really am. God sets them straight here in verse 14. He says, fear not, thou worm Jacob. I don't care who you are. I don't care how you want to go into the original Hebrew or whatever else you want to go there, but there's no way to go without calling somebody a worm other than to say, that's not a term of endearment. It's not. It's actually, I mean, any way you look at it, again, I don't think God is necessarily insulting them, but he is trying to put them in their place to understand that by comparison to anything else around them, they are ultimately an insignificant worm. They are something that can't really, if you think about a worm, I mean, it, it can't go very far, it can't go very fast. You can come at it and do anything you want to to it, and it, it's not going to have a whole lot of defense because a worm is pretty powerless. Now, I understand it can move some dirt with a little enough time, but for the most part, it, it's going to take it some time. And that's the point, is he's trying to get them to see that in the scheme of things, Israel is insignificant. In the scheme of things, from a human perspective, they're absolutely powerless. And, and I don't want to insult y'all. We don't know each other like that. But I want you to see yourself as that kind of a worm, that you are insignificant and powerless. And don't, don't misunderstand me. He's talking about Israel. You do understand that Israel figures pretty prominently in God's plans. You do understand that. Yet he is letting them know that they are, by comparison to things around them, they're pretty insignificant and powerless. Yet, what, where is the hope? Not in how strong the worm is. The hope is not in how powerful the worm is. The hope is instead, he says there in verse, uh, excuse me, in verse 13, right at the end, he says, I will help thee. Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee. Where is the hope? Where is the power? It is from Yahweh God saying, I am coming to help you. Yes, you are a worm. Yes, you are insignificant. Yes, you are uh, powerless. But the hope is in the God who helps them. That is where that comes in. In fact, I tried to give you this, this thought on Sunday. I want to just remind you one more time. We serve a God who works in hopeless causes. He works in those situations where from a human perspective, we say, forget it. It's over. Don't bother. Why mess with them? They're not useful for anything. I don't care. That's what the world, that's what every person on the planet would say when they see what we are in the big scheme of things. But God says, I'm not looking to you. I'm coming to help you because I'm your God. I'm with you. And I'm the one that's going to give you this help. Don't forget what James writes over in James 4, 6, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He does. 
And when he brings his power to the, to the table, that's when some things start happening. He talks about them as being a worm in verse 14. But if you go down to verse 15, he says there that I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth. Now, this is a crazy image in my mind, but he's talking about this little worm. And he says, I'm going to transform you into some kind of a threshing instrument that has teeth. You're going to be able to cut stuff down. You're going to be able to, in fact, he talks about the next one, that thou shalt thresh the mountains. You think about a worm, it might be able to move a little bit of dirt, might be able to eat a little bit of dirt at a time, a little, little, little speck of dirt every now and again. But he says, I'm going to transform you into something that can literally destroy a mountain. That's what I'm going to provide to you. He's going to take people who were, were victims, were victims of their enemies. People were coming and they were going to trounce on them, and he's going to turn them into victors. He takes some people that from all, in, from all uh, outside perspective, they look like losers. But he's going to make them glorious. That's what God does. He transforms in this way. That's what he did. It's what God does. And throughout his, there's a couple, he took a donkey. Remember that? And made him a prophet. He, he, he took a, an ed, uneducated, illiterate man in Peter and made him Probably one of the best, I would argue, one of the best scholars in the, in the history of the church. He, he took a terrorist in the Apostle Paul and transformed him into one of the, the most magnificent writers and preachers of the gospel. This is what God does. He transforms, and he's the one that's willing to help us. And he is uniquely qualified to enter into your situation and to help and to make a difference in your situation. You're never too important. Sometimes we get a little bit, like I said, we get a little big for our britches. We think we're too important. God, this is, you don't understand, this is such a big problem. I don't want to bother you with this problem. I'll work through it. No, that's not how God works. You're not too important for God to work in your situation. But you're also not too much of a loser either. I've had this complex from time to time. God, I got myself into this mess. I guess I got to get myself out. Well, the fact is, the more I try to do that, the worse I make it. But if I will go to the God of the universe who will help me and who can transform the bad situation into whatever it is he wants to make out of it, then that thing will be resolved and will be solved. Politicians, pastors, bosses, intuition, your friends, all kinds of stuff that you thought would be on your side, the ones that would be the people that would be able to help you. But you know what they're going to do? I, I can tell you this. They're all going to fail you in some way at some point. They will. But do you know what's going to happen if we will actually look to God for our help? Now, he can actually use those people that I just said to actually help us. But if we look to those people for our hope and our help, forget it. That's not how that works. Because God is all-powerful. He is the one that's qualified to help. God is the one who helps. God is the one who transforms. God is the one who's going to be our power. I don't know if you're there with me tonight, but I can tell you if you're not tonight, you'll be there at some point where you're going to feel defeated. You're going to feel overwhelmed. You're going to feel like nobody cares. And when you feel like you're at that point where there's no hope, when there's no help, there's no way to fix it, there's no answer, there's no solution, when you feel the fear overwhelming you, I, I, I want to acknowledge something when I say that. I can say all day, and I can scream it to the top of my lungs, stop being afraid, stop being afraid. 
But y'all know, especially if you've been in those situations, you know that fear just kind of overtakes you, and it's like it's going to choke you out. You just don't even know how it's going to be handled. You just think it's about to kill you. You don't know what's going to happen. But I want to remind you, in those situations, just when you think the fear is overwhelming you, I want to get it in your mind so that you can hear God, the one who loved you, the powerful one, the one who's with you, the one who's promised to help you. I want you to hear him saying, not my voice, but the voice of God saying to you, as he says in this text, fear not. God's voice saying, fear not. We don't just have any old God speaking to us. We don't have an impotent deity who's, who's like a piece of rock that we just look at and we bow down to from time to time. That's not who he is. He's not some self-important dictator who's just telling us what to do and doesn't care about how our lives turned out. We don't have some cold, callous, distant commander. No, we have the God who is the self-existent one who is with us, holding our hands and helping us along the way. And when we're in the middle of that difficult spot, just try to bring back to mind, and I'm sure he's speaking it all the time. Try to hear his voice. Don't fear. I'm with you. Don't fear. I'm your God. Don't fear. I'm going to help you. I want to encourage you that you don't know. There's a lot that you don't know. As the song said, I told you already, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand.